thank you thank you jonathan yes it's 2:32 a.m uh in uganda uh, but it's, it's worth it uh, the opportunity to pray together as a family from across the nations uh it's a joy and uh, I'm also grateful for having come in earlier to hear Chris speak, a very powerful insight on John 17. So I bring you greetings from Uganda. I'm going to share with us on a message which I have entitled Christ the King, Christ the King. And I received this message as, as a burden from the Lord as we were, interestingly also 2017, we were trying to make preparations to celebrate uh, 50 years since Jerusalem's reunification. And we were trying to see how best to mark it, but all of a sudden the Lord laid the burden on my heart that while it's, it's good to uh, pray for Israel, focus on Israel, but remember it's all about the king. And the king here is Jesus. In John chapter 18, verse 37, we see the dialogue between uh, Jesus and Pilate. At one point, Pilate asks Jesus, John 18.37 says, Pilate said to him, are you a king then? And Yeshua answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world. So one of the main reasons Jesus was born in addition to saving the world and paying for our sins, primarily it was to be king and to rule. And uh, dictionary.com defines a king as a male sovereign or monarch, a man who holds by life tenure and usually by hereditary right, the chief authority of a country and a people. Now, in, in Uganda, we have kings or traditional rulers and uh, before the colonial era, most of the system of rule or governance was monarchy. And right now, Uganda is a republic, so the cultural institutions are more of ceremonial. But we are one of the largest tribes in Uganda is the tribe called Buganda, and they have a king. I happened to watch the news when this king was being welcomed to certain parts of the city and so the excitement the the drama with which he was welcomed and it kind it provoked a, a a jealousy of sorts because i didn't see that much of excitement many times for instance when it came to a church service 
I will share this clip for us just to get a feel of what, what I'm talking about. Traders here at Kubo and Seca Markets spent the past two days celebrating as they prepared for the Kabaka's visit. The mammoth crowds walk up to drum beats, dance, chants and singing praises for the Buganda King. And the big moment finally came when the Kabaka arrived amidst jubilations. He first visited Chikubo traders, then moved to Chiseka market where a huge crowd was waiting for him. Here only the strong could afford to pass through. Kamtebi then made his way to Wangulkuku Stadium to join the youth for the Buganda Youth Day festivities. This day was not celebrated last year as the Kabaka was barred from visiting Kayunga for the event. The head of Buganda clan leaders, engineer Alan Waligo Nachirembeka, urged the people to be cautious when casting their vote next year. Even after the reopening of CBS Radio, he says the central government still owes Buganda. <laughs> Kabaka Mwenda Mtebi spoke out against hypocrisy and urged the people to develop the region. Even when we find ourselves in these trying moments, let us stay united and determined. Still, during the same period, desist from betraying each other. Pop artists also performed for the king. Tony Muangala, interview candidation. So that uh, that's a news clip, and uh, I hope you were able to see uh, the drama, the the crowds, the the way they were uh, prostrating before. King. And this is an earthly king. This is a fellow human being. And I imagine what kind of excitement will fill the earth when, when Jesus, the king, returns, or when he's walking the streets of Jerusalem. I'm trying to imagine the, the excitement. Now, in... Uh, One of the biggest challenges that we see today is the issue of government and the challenge gov challenges governments face. Throughout the earth right now, every government has challenges. Um, third world countries, first world countries, superpowers, they all have challenges with governance. And it stems back to man's root problem which is sin because when, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, we fell from glory and um, we lost the government of God. 
Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the book of Judges, there is a, a common statement which appears about three or four times. And it says uh, to the effect that in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So that there is an indicator that there was a need for the governance of a king and Israel as a nation longed for this rule. And up to today throughout humanity, there is a longing for the proper rule. And that is why year to year, different nations vote leaders into office and uh, for, for different reasons, the leaders are not able to meet their 100% expectation. Others are voted in and the cycle continues. A quote from Derek Prince, which says that if we talk about the gospel and do not include being under the government of God, then we have missed the essence of the theme. So, the good news for us is that God is willing to extend his government, in fact, to install his government on earth to govern the affairs of man. In Psalm 2 verse 6, the scripture says, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Now, something happened, of course, now Jesus as the king has been in existence even before creation. John 1 verse 1 tells us that, and throughout the Old Testament, he had different ways of interacting with men and women, even before he was born. And even when he was born, we see that he was born a king because the wise men from the East came seeking to worship the king of the Jews. Uh, at the triumphal entry, he was recognized as a king. But even at the crucifixion, he was recognized as a king. And John chapter 19, verse 19 tells us, now when Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And I want to share a picture from, from the movie by Mel Gibson, directed by Mel Gibson. A picture showing this moment when Pilate nailed above on the cross the title of Jesus of Nazareth as king. And this title was written in three languages, the three main languages of the day. And that is Greek, uh, Latin, and Hebrew. Psalm 2 says, I have installed my king on Mount Zion. And this is how God chose to install this king, he had to lay down his life because the greatest had to be the servant of all. 
this was no other king. He's one who gave his life for his subjects. No king has done that in all history. And the kingdom of God has stages. In Luke 17, verse 20, 21, Jesus said to the effect that the kingdom of God is in our hearts and cannot be seen here or there. But that is the starting point that he has to be king in our hearts first, in our lives. But it doesn't stop there. It then spreads on to include communities of those whom Christ is king in the hearts. And that's the ecclesia. He said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But it goes even beyond just being amongst the community of believers that then these believers who have Christ as king in their hearts then influence the societies and communities with his principles and that way disciple the nation. We see that in Psalm 2 and also Psalm 110. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. So he will remain seated until the, his body, which is resident on earth and has him ruling in their hearts, display his truth, his principles, and then that will subdue the, the powers of darkness. And then, of course, with time, he will return, like we see in Revelation 19, and he will rule a thousand years with the saints, and eventually then the new heaven and the new earth, and then all eternity. This king has uh, something amazing about him that he wants to rule with his children, his subjects. In Luke 19, verse 13, is the parable. I'll read just verse 13. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minors, and said to them, do business until I come. He also says in Revelation 22, verse 12 to 13, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. And the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And of course, we know that the destiny of all kingdoms is that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And uh, the Good, the other good news I have to encourage all of us is that we are all being prepared for the next phase, which is the age to come. Whatever we do on earth, our callings, our giftings, our activities, they're all the challenges we face, the trials we face are all preparation for us because the next phase is Christ's rule on earth 
and he will rule with us. Because of the awesome responsibility of reigning with Christ, we are required to make diligent preparation. So being born again is only a beginning stage or the first phase in the process. And for us to reign with Christ, there are uh, just four main attributes we need to look out for. In Matthew 19:28, the Bible says, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, at that time, he was talking to the 12. Now, imagine the 12 are going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Who is going to judge the tribes in, in France, for instance? Who is going to judge the tribes in China? Who is going to judge the tribes in Germany? I believe, and this is a personal thought, that the believers in those ethnic groups will govern on Christ's behalf uh, during the millennial reign. So we are being prepared. And Revelation 2.26 to 27 said, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron as the porter's vessels shall be broken to pieces. So I'll just mention four attributes in this process of preparation for his return, but also so that we may reign with him. And one is endurance. Endurance. He says in Luke 22, verse 28, Luke 22, verse 28, I'll read it. And it says, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. The other attribute is meekness. Also, the poverty of spirit. In Matthew 5, verse 5, uh, I'll read Matthew, verse 3 and 5. Matthew 5. Verse 3 and 5, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Another attribute is purity. And in, I'll read Titus 2.14. I'll read for us Titus chapter 2, verse 14, and it says, uh, 
Titus, where is Titus? Titus 2.14, which says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words, to no profit, to ruin. Sorry, Titus chapter 2.14 had gone to Timothy. Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. And then, of course, the love of the truth. And he says in Revelation 12, verse 9, Revelation 12, verse 9, it says that, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He, who, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I thank God for platforms like 10 days where we receive truth. And the love of the truth is one of those things that will prepare us to reign with the king. So the Lord has given us a king and a kingdom. But he's also preparing us because he wants us to rule with the king he has chosen. I'll close with Psalm 107, verses 1, 2, and 8, which says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. God bless you. Amen.